and welcome. I'm Reverend Billy here at Earth Riot Radio. Come on in. We've got some empty chairs right over here in the Earth Church. The temperature you'll find is, is, is just about, well, it's comfortable. The wind outside on your way here, you might have noticed it's a breeze, moderate. Green lawns and moderate weather. You know, I'll stand out in front here on our intersection and the pavement will extend smoothly from my feet out to the horizon. This is the background of our life. It's immovable. In fact, I never have to think about it. I never think about it because I don't have to. This background, it's always there. And whatever superstorm, whatever wildfire, whatever disease, virus, starvation, if you bombard me with surprises, I have this strong, silent background that I can always return to. The flat streets, the flat buildings, a car here and there, the green lawns, the shade will be slowly moving as the earth and the sun turn. You'll find me still standing here on my stretch of pavement. It stretches out from me to the horizon, like a runway in all directions. Extinction is real, extinction is here We better say I love you before we disappear Extinction number six, one, two, three, four, five Do something to remember if someone does survive Oh, our hearts are beating Now I know Extinction number six, one, two, three, four, five, do something to remember, someone does survive. Extinction, extinction, my God, what a word, it's everywhere, it's nowhere, it flies like a bird. Let go of the myth, extinction will surprise. Now we can really love. Death makes the sun rise. 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 Death 
make the sunrise. Extinction is real. Extinction is here. We better say I love you before we disappear. Extinction number six. One, two, three, four, five. Do something to remember if someone does survive. And I hope you're all feeling really solid out there, standing on the smooth pavement with the very comfortable moderate breeze in your hair. It is that solidity, that powerful, you can't touch this feeling that we share, that makes it possible for us to believe that each of the natural disasters that has rolled over us in the last few years is a standalone event. The tornadoes that hit Kentucky like bombs a few weeks ago have no connection to the fires in Colorado, have no connection to the floods in Hawaii, and on and on. Each disaster is in its own package on the shelf with its own label. That's what we do in consumer society. Amen. Despite the fact that disasters have quadrupled in number and in Great increases in the amount of energy that are released by these storms, by these floods. We still think they don't come from a single source. Well, that's impossible. I mean, don't let common sense whisper in your ear because... <laughs> yes, of course, there's a single source. We have many different professionals, and we have professionals for, we have a different professional for each one of those disasters, and we have a different government agency for each, each of those disasters. But we can't keep them separate anymore, and we cannot continue to enforce this self censorship where we're unwilling and unable, apparently, to identify a common source for this many faceted apocalypse that is coming down upon us. Let's stop that big lie. I know we've been living this big lie a long time. And if we were to turn and say, oh, right, the earth is conscious. The earth is doing what it has done before, which is to make sure that life continues. And we call this an extinction, but actually it's life continuing to be alive. If we did that, we would be breaking the big, big lie that we've been living with for centuries. When the first uh, European Americans stepped on the shores here in this, in this benighted continent of ours and turned to the natives that got here before they did and said, I want to save you, but then slaughtered them, well... That's an indication of the lie. And when they started, when they looked at this beautiful place that they felt that they could have, and they, I should say we, I'm a part of this, decided to, to embark upon a several centuries project of converting nature into wealth. 
That's chosen peopleism. That's what that is. I can do this. I'm chosen. And they had Bibles under their arms the whole time. Even if they had a gun in the hand, they had a Bible under their arm. Listen, that big lie needs to end now because the earth is calling out to us. And we at least should, turning away from that lie, we should at least say, okay, you are conscious. You are a living thing. You've done this before. You're doing it again. You're, you're insisting that life continue despite what we have done to life, you are insisting that it continue. And we might be now in danger. We might be in danger, but we want to witness it. We want to be alive as this goes forward. As the sixth extinction goes forward, we want to, we want to be here living with the living earth. That's a choice we should make right now. Will you make this with me? Let's do it that way. It's going to be weird, but it's going to be real. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah. A lot of this greed and money-soaked corruption has to do with how we view money, what it means to us, how we use it, how we look at the wealthy and their lifestyles and the endless race to acquire stuff and things and shit. Consumerism is capitalism's drug dealer. It's the enabling fuel that pushes this runaway train ever faster and forward over human rights, justice, trees, and babies. As a culture, we take in over 3,000 ads a day, whether we want to or not. Your mind is constantly being raped by the incessantly annoying voice to keep shopping, keep buying, keep wanting and needing shit that you don't need or deep down really want. This is not an easy force to fight or win against. It's an insidious addiction that most of us don't even realize that we have. So what better way to deal with it than inviting a reverend and his choir to exercise those demons? As an atheist, that may be the only time you will ever hear me say that. But Reverend Billy and the Stop Shopping Choir are anything but your typical Sunday fair. They are a group of creative activists led by Reverend Billy and directed by Savitri D. And what began as anti-consumerism expression grew into what is now a 13-year-long mission to not only battle consumerism, but to battle the capitalist cronyism it fuels, the injustices to both people and planet, from Black Lives Matter to the environment. Last week, I sat down and spoke with the director and co-founder Savitri D to discuss this interconnectedness of ideas, the rush of protest, the war on dissent, and how you can join the chorus of activists. Take a look. Consumerism in its most basic sense is a, is, a, is a scale problem, right? It's like the earth can't handle it <laughs> at the scale that we expect it to exist at. Um, and, and consumerism is supported by a, an extractive industries like gas and oil, period. It's a really basic connection there um, on every level. And, um, but there are, I think, more uh, nuanced, maybe more complex ways of looking at it in terms of the globalized economy, in terms of neoliberalism, in terms of um, sort of larger power structures shifting around to control capital and land use. Um, and that includes uh, the human capital, right? So those things are, are, are easy on a very uh, sort of technical economic level to see as connected. And, and then on a very basic level that uh, you know, if if you're out shopping all day, you're uh, using a lot of gas or there's a lot of packaging or that thing came across the world on a tanker. So you, you can see the, um, the, the interconnectedness of it 
in, in two very different places. That action at uh, Grand Central Station is why Billy is facing a year in jail. And I'm curious, why is that one in particular turning into a potential year in jail? This is not the first time that Billy's faced like actual jail time in New York City. The last arrest, they, they overcharged him with uh, reckless endangerment and riot and menace. Uh, that also carried a, a year-long possible sentence. Um, in the last couple of years, this has been sort of the, 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 how the police have dealt with Reverend Billy and I would say other um, sort of high-level protest arrests. You know, um, they, there's uh, uh, a heftier jail time, and, but in the end, you know, it, it, it seems impossible that he would get that. Um, it's just basic harassment. It's just a basic way to chill dissent in New York City, to pick off people and keep them off the street. Um, the reason there's a year-long charge right now is because Billy rejected uh, their um, offer of an ACD, which is the adjournment with contemplation of dismissal, which is what protesters get all over. You know, it just say like, okay, stay off the street for six months and you can just walk away from this. So activists are supposed to admit guilt and say, okay, I did that and I won't do it again for six months. And then they get to walk away. But there was no guilt. He wasn't breaking the law. You know, and and it's highly problematic. And but the thing is, when you're in jail and you get, I've been offered an ACD just like that. It it sounds really good. It's like yes, get out of here. <laughs> Even when you've just been in there a few hours. How has uh, how have these arrests and how the the justice system or the injustice system how they've dealt with it? How has that uh, inspired actions after the fact? Well, I think in New York, it's always like a very limited group of people who are willing to risk arrest. Um, the NYPD are really atrocious. And the legal system here is, um, we know, we call it death by a thousand cuts. You know, they just, it, they'll just drag it out as long as they can. And you have to miss work and you have to show up at this date. And after Occupy, there was a big influx of people um, who were willing to take those risks. And I, I think we still have a lot of those people in New York City, thank God. Um, not God, but be, thankfully, we have... Um, a lot of those people remained here and a, a lot more people are willing to take that risk now. So the, the concept of invading public space, uh, like Grand Central Station, for example, is one of your platforms. Um, explain, talk a little bit about like the various platforms, because I know you do, you direct the stage shows as well. Um, how are the, how are these platforms and mediums different and do, does your messaging change between them? Yes, we do work in several different modes, and I would say um, they are quite different. How you operate on a stage inside that, uh, you know, very um, controlled atmosphere uh, with an audience, with p people who are essentially passive, who have chosen and elected to be there themselves, very different than how you operate um, in public space, in contested space, um, in retail space. The charge, we call it a, a kind of charged space that exists when you're in contested areas like Grand Central or, um, you know, a mall or even a parking lot in some places. Um, because it, it tells you something about normal everyday life, too. It, it tells you how constrained we all are. It teaches you about your own consumerism when you're in those spaces. And it can be so much more impactful because people aren't expecting you to start performing, so to speak. They're not passively agreeing to be there for a performance. Yeah, I think in a consumer environment, in a consumerized environment, you know, anything you can do that, that gives traction, it's such a slippery kind of slick surface and everything just kind of 
floats by and that's what it's designed to do. It's designed to make you feel really comfortable. You could do anything like the door's going to open and then suddenly I'll have a latte in my hand and I don't know how I got in here. I didn't even want coffee. And uh, so to find any traction with that is, um, is really difficult. Part of it's about the language, you know, changing your language, like being broader in your language when you're in public space, um, you know, being clear about what you're trying to say, um, being willing to, to, to be really, really embarrassed, um, to have people really angry at you, um, and even, you know, physically aggressive towards you. Um, you know, there's nothing like brand loyalty to incite violence in people, strangely enough. When you do these actions out in public in these contested spaces, music or poetry or street theater, um, how do you see people start to almost like you can actually see their paradigms shifting and, and wanting to join in or actually joining in? Does that, do you see that a lot? I wouldn't say a lot, but yeah, definitely. Because I think people are relieved. I think people are so glad to be shaken out of this kind of hypnotic consumerized state. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just so boring. It's such a boring life. I don't think consumerism is a very satisfying way to live ultimately. And, and I think it just takes a lot to unlock it. It's, it's a lot of millions and millions of dollars went into each consumer to get them to be perfect consumers, you know, of marketing money and advertising money. And, um, you know, unlocking that is a lot of work. How do you tell people to, to take what they already do, take their passion, take their, their skill set, and parallel that to, to activism and being socially and politically involved? I would say the very first thing to do is to just know that you don't have to do it by yourself and that to find other people who want to do it too. And the minute you have a group of people who want to do that, who you can even just get along with a little bit, it all gets a lot easier because then you're sharing your skills and they have skills you don't have. And you can make something together. I think it's very difficult to go at it alone. So my first impulse would be to say, go find some friends who want to do it too and do it together. Find the people around you who are willing to be brave with you and, and, and talk about it in those terms. Talk about courage. Talk about bravery. Look around you and see where can I be brave? What is the actual physical location where I can be courageous? And just find out what it feels like. What does that mean to you? If you are out there and you're thinking like, I want to do something, you know, it might be closer in than you think it is. It might be right around you. called you an unprecedented disaster. Is that right? Is that all we hear in your screaming wind? Are you a menacing, unknowable, savage world? After the storm, we, the rogue species, we stand where we burned in the trees, and we
we listen to your silent spring. We put our ear to the ground and hear in the traumatized land a seed stirring sound. Your scream is a talking softly breeze. And we know that the climate tragedy, it's an instruction to us. A way forward for life. We ask that you let us make a home again. To find a way to live after the storm. We promise you we are transformed.
And so we come to the conclusion of this week's Earth Church. Thanks for being with us. Savitri D., thank you for that interview, breaking down activism that deals with consumerism and consumption. And over the whole half hour, I hope that we had that feeling of, of trying to protect all of life because our consumption, our overconsumption, is simply dangerous. And yet it's so ordinary. Because we're hit with a half a trillion dollars worth of advertising every year. We really are trained to not notice the impact we're having on life. So this marks the work of the Church of Stop Shopping. We try to deal with this issue of consumption with our human humor and with our music. And of course, we're always exploring multiple touch points with, with racial justice, with gender justice. Consumerism carried, especially when it's carried to an extreme point, is very sexist and racist. And the consumption system, the whole economy, is, well, it just, it just pressures and kills 
those of us who can't defend ourselves with the kinds of things you can get with money. And so, coming to the end of my allotted 29 minutes, human rights and earth rights are essential for each other. That's what we believe. And they, they start from the same point of love. They're carried forward. That work is justice. That's the work of justice. As you move towards the hate and try to deal with it, try to change people, people around us. Amen. Everyone, have a healthy, good, wild week. Until we meet again, hopefully here in the Earth Church. This is Reverend Billy. Love-a-luya.